Good morning. Want to just uh, take a minute and share a couple of extra thoughts. Man, it's a bunch of blue and white and red jerseys out there. These things that look like buffaloes on people's shirts. You've got two shirts on and a hat. You guys remember Jim Kelly. I saw some Kelly jerseys today. Holy cow. We're digging deep. It's going to be fun to watch the game today, I think, as the Bills play the Dolphins. One o'clock, in case you didn't know that. If you don't care, well, that's great too. Anybody stay up too late last night watching the Jaguars game? Would you go to bed at halftime assuming the Jaguars were going to lose? Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I just want to share for a minute about uh, what I've noticed over the last couple of weeks in our country. And uh, I mean, this is not, if you have a pulse and you're on social media or read the newspaper or listen to the radio, uh, we all watched uh, a human being go into cardiac arrest and watched uh, other human beings respond as they had been trained and equipped and we watched a world kind of witness something that was miraculous. What I want to share just for a minute, though, is I've, I've read a lot of different things, and people have commented all types of stuff. And regardless of what yesterday or the weeks or the years prior were, I think we are at a spot right now where the Lord has primed the pump for something amazing. I am hearing a confidence and a boldness from people in positions of authority and power to pray for folks, to talk about their faith. We witnessed this as a, as a nation 21 years ago as well. And uh, I just want to encourage you as the church, now is your time, right? If you've been a little bit hesitant at times to share your faith, if you've been a little bit hesitant at times to, to say for somebody, hey, I'll pray for you and then to actually pray for them right then and there. I just want to encourage you that now is the time. It's, it's not awkward right now because a lot of people are aware of it. And, uh, you know, I just, I feel compelled right now to just pray for you, that God would empower you and embolden you. This is, this is over and above. This just came right now. So I just want to pray for you, the church, um, whether you're here in person with us or whether you're worshiping online, um, Let's pray. God, thank you for your church. The women and men that you have created in your image, God. Lord, I pray that, that right now they would receive an abundance of faith. And Lord, that, that they would be loosed for ministry and service in the world and in the time that you have created us for. And God, that their faith may transcend their fears. And God, thank you for going before us and preparing the way. Thank you for being mindful of us in the midst of our anxiety. And God, I just, uh, I pray that you would be glorified as people return to you. And Lord, for the church, that we would be able to give a defense for the faith. 
that we would be able to say, I know exactly what's happening. God is present. God loves you and God has redeemed you from the pit. So Lord, bless them today and encourage them. And Holy Spirit, you alone are the equipper. So equip your church today. In the name of Jesus, the risen Christ, we pray. Amen. I know I oftentimes share that I don't think God really cares about uh, the end result of a football game, and I'm not deviating from that. But God certainly does care about every human being. And it was, um, it was a privilege to witness God at work and people responding in faith and a heightened awareness. Let's keep that going, church. Let's not revert back to a slump, right? I need a volunteer this morning, someone who is capable of helping me make this light work. <laughs> Somebody said Mike Martin. They said it, I didn't say it. Is Mike here? Come on, Mike. Mike, Mike knows how to make things go sparky, sparky. Well, probably, hopefully not, right? Oh, we don't want sparks. We want, we just, I've got a few things here, okay? So I've got, fun fact, Leslie, if you're online with us this morning, yes, I did take our lamp from the bedroom this morning in the dark. So I have no idea. I don't know. But we have a few things here. We have a lampshade. And by the way, uh, LED. We're mindful of energy and efficiency. And so what do we got to do to make this thing work? We got to probably put a light bulb in it, don't we? Yeah. Okay, so go ahead. Be careful. Don't get hurt. Um, I know, but now, now the pressure's on. It's like a minute to win it right now. That's true. It's tr- it is true. Okay, now we got to put the lampshade on probably because we don't want to blind everybody with the bright LEDs. Yeah, put that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then one last thing. What else do we got to do? Mike, it's a lamp. What would you think about that? We got to turn it on. Yeah, I know. You got to turn the knob, bud. Turn it again. One more time. Okay, something's wrong. Oh, jeepers. Uh-huh. Mike, could you plug that in for us? We've got all the... No, just, just let's, let's see what's down here. Come on, come on, get down here with me. We got, oh, there's a plug right there. Right there. There's a plug right there. Let me turn it off first. No. Are you sure? Yep. Okay. Mike, is it plugged in? We're going we're gonna to get there. Oh, wait, it works. It works. Okay. Yeah, let's give Mike a hand. Woo! Uh. <laughs> Mike knows a very important reality that uh, you can do all the preparation. Mike, you put the lamps in. That's Leslie's problem. The, uh, you can do all the preparation, you can invest in the, in the right stuff, but unless you plug the lamp into the electricity, absolutely nothing will happen. You can try, you can wish, you can beg, you can plead. It was not going to work until Mike plugged that lamp. And thanks, Mike, we don't want you to be distracted, so I'm going to turn this off, okay? Plus, we don't want to waste electricity. You know, uh, over the next several weeks, we're diving into a a series about growing deeper in our faith. And last week, Pastor Tom kicked off our services with an introduction to the series to set the stage. This week, we're taking on the second portion of that and inviting you to learn to abide in Christ. 
and to live in the word. My experience with people and Christians especially, now maybe it's because I'm pastor, maybe not, but even before I was a pastor, people would tell me, I want to grow in my faith. Is that an okay statement to make that you would like to grow in your faith? If you're content with where you are in faith, I don't know that you've come to the right church. We aren't content with where we are in the faith. Now hear me carefully, you're welcome here. But if you're content with where you are in your faith, Jesus in his revelation to John shared some harsh words about those who were lukewarm. And uh, I haven't met people like that really. People are like, yeah, I want to grow in my faith. But what we lack is the motivation to engage in that. This, uh, this sermon series, we've put together a, a survey that'll, that'll kind of help you see where you are. And if you did it last week, you had to get your uh, bifocals out and a magnifying glass and read the fine print. We've put it on a QR code so you can just snap it and, uh, and do it when you're at home in the private of time with God. Um, a couple of things that I do know is that we need to have a sober assessment of where we are. You can believe that you are mature in faith and not be plugged in to the source. I also want to encourage you that you don't have to stay wherever it is that you are. We're going to look today at uh, Jesus' words in the Gospel of John. And um, I'd be, uh, John is probably my favorite uh, gospel. And I've shared that before. If you could only read one book of the Bible, if you could only have one, one morsel of the Bible, I would say grab the Gospel of John. 20 chapters that'll change your life. When we were at the Gideon uh, banquet a few weeks ago, there was a, a speaker talking about Bible translation, and he shared this story of, of a translator, a guy who was faithful to the Lord, who had put a Bible, would put a Bible in people's hands. And he had these inmates that he was witnessing to, and he put a Bible in the, in the inmate's hand, and, and he said, just do me a favor, okay? Just promise me that you'll read it. Yeah, 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 okay. And the inmate took the, took the Bible, it was a New Testament, and uh, they really liked having the New Testaments because they could tear the pages out of it and they could put their tobacco in it, roll it, and smoke it. And he said to the, he said to the, um, the gentleman who gave him the Bible uh, years later, he said, you know, uh, I took that Bible that you gave me and I read Matthew and I smoked it. And I took that Bible that you gave me and I read Mark and I smoked it. And I took that Bible that you gave me and I read Luke and I smoked it. And I took that Bible that you gave me and I read John and John smoked me, he said. The Gospel of John is a, is a gift from God to you and to me. And uh, it's broken into two sections. The first 13 chapters are often referred to as the, the book of works or signs maybe. It's where we witness the, the miracles of Jesus. 
It's where we see Jesus revealing the glory of the Father. And then in chapter 13, there's a shift where we turn to the book of glory. And all of a sudden, the scriptures of old come to life in the person who was, so that when we read the word of God, we know fully who Jesus was, who God the Father is, who God the Holy Spirit is, so that our lives might be changed. Because God is not content in leaving us as we are. We sang beautiful songs this morning about God being faithful, being constant, and coming to us in the darkness, right? He doesn't leave us in our depraved state. Scripture says that he rescues us from the pit and redeems us and restores us and positions us in right relationship with the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. Scripture also says that he will come again and judge the quick and the dead or the living and the dead, as we said in the creed earlier today. And uh, the Gospel of John, um, in seminary, we had, to, we had to dissect different chapters in the Bible. And one of them, and interestingly, this was a, um, a leadership class. And uh, the woman who was our professor had us break up into small groups and she put us, uh, my group, in the back. And it was interesting because she must have known ahead of time based on how you kind of responded in class where people would work well together. Because our group immediately began to click. And she gave us chapter 15 of the Gospel of John to, to break down and to really dig into the Word of God and to see what God was saying through it. And, um, you know, as you, as you read the Scriptures, the living Word begins to come to life. I want to pray for you and for me. Father, thank you for the scriptures. God, I pray now that your Holy Spirit would move through the written word, that the living word might come to life and that you might be glorified. So Jesus, whether through me or in spite of me, reveal yourself to your church. And move us forward, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. John chapter 15, the first eight verses. In the, in a Gregarian, not a Gregarian, uh, yeah, whatever the culture was, farming culture. Is that Gregarian? I'm drawing a blank here. I'm going off cuff. Anyway, agrarian, thank you. I knew it was a something in <laughs> agrarian culture where they farmers right farmers understood this stuff right here vines were very important uh, grapes were very important and understanding the significance of how things are harvested is very, was very important to to people and they understood it um, and Jesus opens up with this statement he says I am the true vine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Maybe underline that in your Bible just for, a, for the time being. We're going to come back to that. It says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Or a better translation is abide in me and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must Remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. That's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I know a lot of folks that like uh, that seventh verse right there. Can you go back and put that up there just for me? I am testing everybody this morning, probably. Uh, yeah, keep, no, keep going forward. One more. Wait, oh, go back one. Yeah, there it is at the bottom there, the last sentence. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. That's the part that people like to, to take. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you and it will be done for you. But do you know what we have to do to get to that spot? You must abide in me, Jesus said. There needs to be this reliance upon God because apart from Jesus, there is no faith, actually. Jesus makes it crystal clear to his listening audience and to all people who will read the scriptures into the future that if you are not in Christ, you are not in the kingdom of God. He also makes it very clear that we must abide or stay there. Now, a couple of things to kind of think through and maybe get the brains working. We, we witness other people's actions oftentimes, don't we? So we see what other people are doing and then we're quick to judge them based on those actions. We're very seldom do we look at our own lives and say, what am I doing? Or how am I perceived? These next couple of weeks, we want to invite you to ask God to let you see how you really are. Jesus said a couple of things that were somewhat disheartening. The first is that if you are not bearing fruit, that you will be cut off. That's tough. I don't like that, to be frank. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus said, Many will call me Lord, Lord. And I will say, Depart from me. There's a lot of people that know about Jesus. What our hope is, is that we wouldn't know about Jesus, that we would know Jesus. So that we can take that which we know and give it to others. That transition right there of taking what we know and giving it to others is what it means to make disciples. And I know the church over the, the decades and centuries has worked at you know, lots of different programmatic ways to make it. You do A plus B and you get C. Right? Maybe it's not quite that simple, nor is it quite that complicated. But it all begins with you and with me. Um, Peter Cesaro, who wrote Emotionally Healthy Leaders, great book, by the way, I put a plug out there for it, uh, said this, although what we do matters, 
who we are matters more. See, we put the light bulb in, we put the shade on, we even turn the switch. That's what we were doing. But until we were plugged in, it had no power. And I want to invite you to a couple of kind of thoughts, but before we go there, the, the place where we have to go to know God and to know about God is the Scriptures. Barna does some really great research. So does the Pew Research Company. You can, this is all Google stuff. You can just look this stuff up. Um, but they said about 50% of Americans, and this hasn't changed over the last decade, 50% of Americans believe that, that the, the teachings of the Scriptures are valuable to life. Okay? It also said that um, about 37% of people read the Bible once a year. And I want to just clarify a couple of things. On Sunday morning, when you're reading along with Pastor Joe, that doesn't constitute reading the Bible. That's you receiving teaching of my reading of the Bible. It's a very small percentage of people that actually engage in daily Scripture reading, let alone studying the Word of God. And I want to invite you, if you want to grow in faith, if you want to mature in the faith, you have to spend time in the Word of God. There is no quick fix. There is no magic pill that you can take to lose all the weight. I mean, to. <laughs> you can't. There is no immediate recipe for it. I'll tell you a couple of quick stories about people that I've encountered. One of them was a young man who uh, I did. I performed their wedding, him and his wife's wedding, uh, maybe nine years ago now, I think it was. And. Um, he was real skeptical about the faith, but had kind of a background in church. And uh, we, we parted ways. They stopped coming to church. His kids kind of they moved. And uh, he came back later. He's one of the few people. So I've, I've done marriage counseling with every couple that I marry. I do marriage counseling. And, and one of the questions that I asked them is I said, have you counted the cost of what it is that you're giving up? Have you grieved that which you're giving up to gain that which is with you, what you're gaining? Because you're full and complete before that. This is good counsel for all of you, by the way. Have you calculated what the grief is for gaining this? Because you're full. You can't just keep adding on. That's not the way it works. And he came back two weeks later and he says to me, Pastor Joe, I've thought about this. <laughs> he said, it means that I can no longer go out and buy $300 football jerseys. That, that was it. I said, really? He said, yeah, I have other people that I'm accountable to now. I can't just do what I want to do. I'm like, fascinating. You actually did the homework. He came to me about nine months ago. And actually, he messaged me first. And God got a hold of his life radically through a football game. Through a football game. And he, uh, he said, you know, I haven't been reading the scriptures at all. He said, but I heard God speak to me. As clear as the commentators on the television, I heard God speak to me. And I kid you not, we are, uh, we're coming up on a year here in February since he contacted me originally. He reads the word of, he cannot get enough of the scriptures. He hungers for it. He thirsts for it. Every message he sends out is scripture. Everything he talks about is the word of God. 
What I've found is that people that have radical conversions are lit on fire and crave this because it's no longer just this sprinkling of stuff. It's meat. And they know they need it. The other thing that I've encountered is a number of Christians who have been plugged into the faith a long time and have been Christians and are Christians. But for whatever reason, the faith, they haven't tended to it over time. I do think that a lot of that comes from our, um, our understanding that eventually we just get to know everything. And I'm not um, preaching against academia in any stretch of the imagination. But I have found that the higher that we go in academia, the less we rely upon the Lord. And that's true in Christian academia as well. That's true in seminaries where our clergy are educated. We begin to think that somehow we know and we don't need to abide. We don't need to just sit and be with the Lord and his teachings. I know a better way than you do, God. And we don't say it quite that bluntly because that would be disrespectful, right? But we say things like, well, we've evolved and we understand more now and it's clearer to us today than it was then. But the scripture says that the word of God is never changing. The scripture says that the word of God is timeless. So if we're going to learn to depend on God, we have to begin by living in the word of God. Here's a couple of questions from the survey. And you can just kind of, I'm just going to pick a few of them. And uh, then I'm going to share with you what I do. And it might look different for you. It says, I regularly read and study my Bible. And then you grade yourself on that between a one and a five. It says, I believe the Bible is God's word and provides his instructions for life. Most Christians will say yes to that. And yet our lives do not reflect that. We say we agree with this, but we don't live it. Does that make sense? That's why we're called hypocrites, by the way. It says, I evaluate cultural ideas and lifestyles by biblical standards. Now we're getting a little bit deeper. We do evaluate them, but do we allow what the Scripture says to form our views of culture, or do we allow what culture says to view our form of Scripture? I demonstrate honesty in my actions and conversation. When the Bible exposes an area of my life needing change, I respond to make things right. I wish I could say that as I worked through the survey that my answers were all fives. They're not. Because I haven't arrived yet. If you're going to spend time in the Word of God, the most important thing you do is do it. Which means you have to give up something else. Because your days are full. I know, I get it. And I like my sleep too, so I either have to position something else or I have to accept that I'm not going to do it. And I'm not willing to do that. For Pastor Joe, it looks a little bit different than maybe for others because I have a few different reasons that I go to the Word of God. One of them is just to know my Savior. And that's time that Jesus and I have every day. I always start with prayer. I would strongly encourage you to begin with prayer. Maybe something as simple as, Lord, 
Speak to me this morning through your word. You position your heart to align with God's heart and you invite the Spirit of God to open your eyes. Then the next thing that I do is I usually listen to it right now rather than read it. So I'm listening to it and it's playing wherever I am in that moment for my silence. And then I don't do anything else. Some of us are real eager to study Scripture. And that's different than just abiding with the Lord. Some of us are real eager to see what everybody else is saying about the Scripture. Help, help somebody else help me make sense of this, right? So we read commentaries or we read devotionals or we read the little captions at the bottom of our study Bibles. Those are great resources, by the way. That is not the Word of God, though. The Word of God is contained to the text. And I just sit sometimes for an hour and I ask God to just speak to me reveal what you have for me today some of the things that oftentimes come to the forefront of my mind is who's writing right now who is speaking in the text who was the audience God who are you speaking to and where am I in that right I was reading in Mark this morning who am I in this text I also try to invite the Lord, and this is difficult, to reveal where I haven't allowed the scriptures to shape my life. And I invite God to discipline me. He's gentle with his correction. I've been coaching girls basketball now for five years. I love that. And I know I come back to this quite a bit. And I have a, a one young lady who, uh, who I asked her mom, I said, hey, I need to know how to help your daughter understand this game a little better. And she said, well, have her repeat it back to you. I'm like, ooh, that's probably a learning cue for Joe also. Have her repeat it back to you. And then the mom said this. The mom said, she's a very gentle soul. If you correct her publicly, if you rebuke her publicly, she'll break down and you'll hurt her in ways that you might not be able to reconcile. I'm like, hmm. God knows exactly what we need. He knows that at times Pastor Joe is uh, a little bit thick-headed and I need a bigger, a bigger stick, I guess. He also knows the areas of my life where I'm insecure. And when he speaks into those, he's tender and gentle. As you read the word of God, you'll begin to abide in Christ. And if you want to grow in faith, you have to abide. Jesus said these words. Remember I told you we were going to come back to verse 2. He said, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. I think we can all agree that's not who we want to be. And then he says this, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. I don't know if any of you uh, tend vegetables or fruit trees or things like that, but pruning is an essential part to helping it produce good fruit. You know what you do to prune something? You take really sharp scissors and you cut off the sections that aren't any good. On apple trees, they're called suckers, I guess, right? That's why, you know, it's kind of, does anybody else wonder why apple trees are like kind of this boink looking thing? Well, it's because the shoots that go up and down, 
are robbing the other branches of producing good fruit. And you've got to get rid of that which is draining rather than pouring into. And he says this at the end. When God prunes you, and it's the Father who does the pruning, by the way, is what the Scripture said. It says when he prunes you, it says that you'll be even more fruitful. As we abide with Christ, some of the questions that you can anticipate are, I experience life change as a result of my worship experiences. If you've encountered Jesus this morning, how is it changing your life? It says, peace, contentment, and joy characterize my life rather than worry and anxiety. When we abide with Christ, these other things that are not of God are moved out of the picture. Abiding with Christ produces hope. And when you abide with Christ, others who are connected to you, others who are connected to you will in turn be connected to Christ. And that gives us the statement in verse 8. So that the Father might receive glory. So my challenge for you this week, church, is really simple. Spend some time with the Lord. Be intentional about it. I can tell that many of you are going to carve out time today to watch football. Be intentional about spending some time with Jesus and reading the word. Don't first go to the commentaries. Don't first go to the devotionals. Just read the scriptures. He's always faithful. This is the word of God. You can trust it. You can take it to the bank. It's timeless. I don't need to stand up here and defend the word of God. It does it just fine by itself. But spend some time with the Lord in his scriptures. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being mindful of even me, for your attentiveness to our state and our position in life. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit, as you move us to witness more, that you would also equip us to abide, that we would find contentment in sitting with you. And God, that it would be um, life-changing. Lord, for those today who maybe haven't had that encounter with the Almighty, God, I pray as, as your word is opened and as we spend time there, as we come and see you, that we would know that you are there so that you might receive the glory, Father. In the name of Jesus, the risen Christ, we pray. Amen.